Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Joe. Welcome to Saving Grace Church. It's great to have you here. If you have a Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to be working through the passage that Larissa just read. And the title of this morning's message is Hope Has Come. Hope Has Come. Uh, today is the first in a series of Advent messages that we're going to be doing to prepare us for Christmas, the celebration of Jesus coming to earth. So the next three Sundays and Christmas Eve, we're going to be looking at different aspects of this reality. And um, we're, we're excited about this. The, the first message is hope has come. Next week will be peace has come. The third message will be light has come. And the fourth will be love has come. That will be the Christmas Eve message. And the, the first three on Sundays are going to be all different parts of Isaiah, the prophet's book that we're going we're gonna to engage and we're going to kind of hit at a high level, but to see some of the details of how God promised to deliver his people and the implications of that for us. How many of you have like an advent calendar at home? Some kind of countdown till Christmas. Okay, a number of you do, not, not a ton. So at our house, I think right now, we have three different versions. One is this cardboard advent calendar that we've had since my kids were really young. It's kind of bent up. It's, it, it would feel like we're canceling Christmas if we don't dig it out and use it. Um, my kids, if you don't know me, are not three, five, and seven. They are 20, 18, and 13. Um, but we use this as a preparation for celebrating Christmas. And so we have a calendar that we flip open the door, has a little saying about preparing us for Jesus. Then we have this, this number countdown thing, and then we have this magnet countdown thing. But all of those things are under the idea of Advent. And if you don't know what, what the word Advent means, it simply means um, literally means the coming or the coming of Christ. So from about the fourth century on, Christians have celebrated in some way Advent or the coming of Christ. Now what's a little different in the original context to our day is often when Christians celebrated the coming of Christ, they, they celebrated both the birth of Christ, Jesus coming to earth, fully God, fully man, as a baby, but they also connected the return of Christ, the, the coming of Christ that we are awaiting. And so this morning's passage is actually going to touch on both realities, the, the promised coming of the Messiah who would come to earth, and then the triumphant return of Jesus who will come back one day. Well, Christmas season in the United States, let's just say in Indiana County or Western Pennsylvania, it's this, this weird mix of excitement, uh, pressure, and maybe some sorrow and disappointment. Uh, Christmas has this, this way of, of magnifying a number of things. One, if you're a Christian, it gets us excited for the reality that Jesus came to earth. But there's also this cultural pressure that Christmas brings of busyness and planning and events. And then you inevitably are with family and friends that there might be disagreements and strife and tension. And so it's this strange mix of things that happens all together. And it's in the midst of this that we want to slow down and draw our attention to the real reason that we celebrate Christmas, which is 
all about Jesus. I read this this week. Um, This was in an article in the Gospel Coalition by a man named Brett McCracken. And he wrote this about Christmas, Advent, preparing your hearts for the coming of Christ. And I, I thought this was an insightful point as we talk about the hope of Christ. He says, the essence of hope is not the downplaying, justifying, or avoidance of present pain and sorrow. Rather, hope is the expectation that as real as the pain is now, it will one day feel as foreign as our faintest memories. So the essence of hope, maybe for some this morning, you're thinking, how can we be singing about joy and hope in in light of what's happening in my life, in our country, in the world? Do we really have cause for true and deep and lasting hope? And the short answer is, yes, we do. And we're going to see that this morning. But that doesn't mean that the pain, the darkness, the challenges are not real. See, the beauty of Christmas is that Jesus came into the world to make what was broken in the Garden of Eden right, to restore relationship between God the Maker and mankind who has rebelled. And Jesus came and then He he rescues a people that turn to Him. But one day, Jesus will return triumphantly. And we know that day is fixed and certain. And so no matter how hard it is from now until that day, whether we die and go to be with the Lord or He comes back, that day will be a glorious day, a beautiful day for those who know and love Jesus. But while we're in the middle, it can be very difficult. I I thought about this way, having just been out east in Lancaster County last year weekend where my sister lives uh, four hours away as sunny as could be like the sun sets and the sun rises and it just feels like a different sun than we have here and I was there on a cloudy day the one day it's like it's even sunny on cloudy days if that's at all possible so here from like November through least March maybe some of April it's just we know this it's just going to be dark and cloudy and a little gloomier my grandmother who is now with the Lord used to call this this miserable place that I live. She's like, why do you live in that miserable gray place? And I say, well, man, that's where God wants me to be. That's why I live there. But we know that there will come a day, maybe in April, maybe in May, maybe in June, that the sun will actually come out. The birds will sing again. Flowers will come up. And it is a, a fixed and certain day. In the same way, that's the hope we have for those of us who are in Christ. We do not hope ultimately in things of this world or the things of this world to get better and better. No, we hope in a triumphant Christ who will one day return. And so, to help us think about this hope, we're going to jump into the book of Isaiah and just learn how God was encouraging His people through the prophet Isaiah. So look back at Isaiah 40, uh, verses 1 and 2. The first point is the hope of Christ, the hope of the Messiah, brings ultimate comfort to God's people. A lasting comfort. Comfort, comfort, my people, says 
your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, we're doing what you shouldn't do when you read a book. We are starting kind of two-thirds way into the book. So I just want to give you a little bit of background to get our orientation. So this was written by the prophet Isaiah. It was most likely written and he most likely prophesied in the 8th century. While he was a prophet, uh, King Uzziah was there for a bit and then died. King Jotham, King Ahaz, and King Hezekiah. So he lived at least 60 years, probably longer, where he prophesied. And while he is writing, Assyria is, is threatening God's people and the, the pressure. And um, it covers a number of decades, and then it's going to cover future events. But one of the things that God's people keep on doing is they keep failing to trust in the Lord. At one point, they actually look to Egypt for deliverance from the Assyrians rather than looking to God. The very Egypt that years earlier they were enslaved to. So one of the things we see in Isaiah is God's people continue to fail. Well, there's a turn that happens in chapter 39 that goes from 40 onward where the, the prophet begins to look towards future events for God's people. And unfortunately, the future events are actually more grim than their present situation. But from chapter 40 onward, God is seeking to draw their attention to himself and a future day when his son would come to rescue and deliver. So we're going to be in Isaiah in different parts for the next few weeks. So if you have some time in the next few weeks, jump in to the book of Isaiah. But to set up chapter 40, I want you to look at Isaiah 39, just verses 5 through 8. And Isaiah is going to prophesy to King Hezekiah. And unfortunately, his, the king's response was not great. It was pretty self-preserving. This is what Isaiah says. Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up to this day shall be carried to Babylon. Now we know that's the Babylonian captivity that happens to a portion of God's people. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and there shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So, in other words, this is God's people that are recipients of God's promise in the book of Genesis that when God made a covenant to Abraham that his people were going to be prosperous and were going to be a blessing to all nations. Now Isaiah is saying things are bad and they're about to get worse. Your loved ones are going to be ripped from you and taken into Babylonian captivity. It's going to get darker and darker. And the king, you remember Israel wanted a king, and they've got a whole series of kings. Unfortunately, the kings never delivered the way they had hoped. Listen to what King Hezekiah says in verse 8. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, 
the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. Now, it doesn't say this, but you can imagine Isaiah might just want to slap him upside the head. What are you talking about? The word that I just said is good. I just told you that God's people are going to be scattered and captured. And, I, and Hezekiah, oh, that, that sounds pretty good. I mean, I'm an optimist, and I know that is not good. The word of the Lord that you have spoken, it's good. For he thought, and here's the revealer of his heart, there will be peace and security in my days. In other words, it will be a good because I'll be dead and I don't have to deal with it. But if you are God's people, you know that is not good. And that was confusing. And yet the call is to keep trusting in the Lord. So when they get to Isaiah 40 and they hear these words, it would have been like a great comfort to them where the prophet says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended. That the strife and turmoil one day will be over. That her iniquity is pardoned once for all. That she has received from the Lord's hand double of her sin. So despite Israel's unbelief, despite the rebellion, despite the hardship, Isaiah through the Holy Spirit is saying one day it will all be over. And you should receive comfort from the Lord because His promises are true. He will be faithful to get to that day. We know in Isaiah 53, we get this great description of a king who would come who is very different than even the greatest kings of Israel. This king, this ultimate king, will be perfect in every way. This king will not live for himself and selfish desires. This king will lay down his life and will be the suffering servant for the people of God. This king will sacrifice his own body on the cross to purchase a people for himself. This king is a king that is absolutely, totally trustworthy. And Isaiah says this in Isaiah 53 verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. The king of the universe. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. See, this king, this awaited king, this king Jesus, is the only one who can pardon sins Forever, He's the only one that can bring an end to all the strife and turmoil and warfare that mankind has experienced and continues to experience. This one is far greater than King David, King Saul, King Hezekiah, any king or ruler you can think of. And this king humbled himself. He left perfect fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. He came into this broken world to make it right. This king is the hope of Christmas. This king is the one we look to for forgiveness and restoration of relationship. We want to trust in this king. Maybe it was you when Marcy shared this morning that there are some, you just feel so messy. You feel so 
dirty. You feel like you, you can't, you just, you just can't make progress. You can't change. You, you're stuck. And maybe you feel like people are relating to you in, a, in a, an uncomfortable way because of the choices that you have made. And you might think, is there hope for me? And the answer is yes, there is hope for you. Jesus, the friend of sinners, is the king who Isaiah is prophesying about. He is the king who came to earth. Last Saturday evening, I was still in Lancaster County, and I was at this Christmas light-up thing, and I was spending some time with a guy who had just gotten out of jail, and he um, is in a Christian rehab there, kind of near where my sister lives. And he's a new believer in Jesus, and he's excited about Jesus. He's like, watch this. So Santa Claus was there at this light-up thing, and he waited till all the little kids were done sitting on Santa's lap and getting their pictures taken. He's like, watch what I'm going to do. So he goes up to Santa. He's like, hey, he's sitting on Santa's lap. He's like, hey, can, can we work out a deal? Can you pardon all the bad things I did this year? Could you just like forget they happened? Because if there's a naughty list, I'm on it. Now he was doing this just to have fun, just to ingest. But the reality is there is no one in the world that can pardon sin except for Jesus Christ. And he can pardon all sin, every sin, every kind of sin. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, there is hope for you if you turn from your sin and put your faith in this king who was promised. Second point, the hope of Christ reveals the glory of God. The hope of Christ reveals the glory of God. I'm going to read this section, and if you know the New Testament, this verse should sound very familiar to you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all quote this verse. A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And what Isaiah is doing here through the Holy Spirit is he's, he's using the, the the geography of the land to illustrate the reality that, that there is a king coming that one will prepare the way for that will really flip everything upside down. And John the Baptist, this is where it's quoted in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was the one called by God to prepare the way for the king. He was the one who fulfilled these verses in Isaiah. See, his ministry was to call out to all who would listen that the king is coming. The promised Messiah from the Old Testament has arrived. And his call was calling people to turn from their life of sin and be ready for the one who would come. And remember, John the Baptist was, was talking about his very own cousin, Jesus. And in the incarnation, Jesus is miraculously conceived. And he grows up absolutely 
perfect, never sinning in any way. But have you ever wondered why in the Gospels this perfect one would be baptized by John, which was a baptism for repentance? See, Jesus had nothing to repent of. He had no thought to turn from, no action, no hidden sin from his teenage years. He had nothing because he was perfect. He was fully God. He was fully man. What he was doing was identifying the purpose he came. He came to be credited with our sin, to take the punishment that we deserve so that we could go free. Listen to what John says about Jesus. John the Baptist. This is in Matthew 3. John says about his own ministry, I baptize with water. So I'm going to dunk you. I'm going to call you to just turn from all the stuff you're doing. That's my call. That's my ministry. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. This one is Far greater, John's saying. John was a holy man. God, God gave John grace to be a righteous man. He was a well thought of man. But he says this other one that's coming, there's no comparison whatsoever. Whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. This one, Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will immerse you with God's Holy Spirit. He's the one who will make the new covenant possible. God's Spirit will come inside and, and the, your heart of stone will be turned to a heart of flesh and you are made alive. You have desires to follow God and you have power to follow God. That's the one who's coming. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gathers wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is a real king. And those who are with him, who have trusted him, he will protect and guard. And those who rebel against him, he will one day punish because he is a great and holy king. And see, John the Baptist is saying, this king, this one, this one that we're to hope in, his dusty, dirty sandals, I can't even carry. I can't even walk around the town or the desert with these things. Anything he touches he makes holy because of who he is. See, Jesus is the one who came to bring glory to the Lord. He's the one who was God in the flesh. So to interact with Jesus was to interact with the living God. And so no matter what is happening in your life right now, no matter what is distracting you from Jesus, he is where we need to fix our eyes. He's where we need to place our hope. He is the answer. Now like you, I have a phone and I have a computer and I have a television and no surprise to anybody watching or in the room that the price of everything seems to be shooting to the sky. Um, tensions are still high in our culture. Uh, probably most of you didn't know the Greek letter Omicron till last week. Um, and now we're like, what, what is that? Is that a transform? No, it's a Greek letter, but 
They decided to skip a few and pick that. So there are variants of COVID that doesn't seem to die. And all those things, you put them all together, then you put your own personal struggles and you put your family stuff, your work pressures, life pressures, all those pressures, it can begin to weigh you down. They're real. But what you need and what I need is to fix our eyes on this great king who came as a baby to rescue and redeem and one day certainly is returning that's where our hope needs to be i mean think about this isaiah is writing to a people that roughly jesus had not come to at least 700 years after he is writing so it would be the equivalent of, of us sitting in indiana county in the 1300 a.d <laughs> be a different place 700 years ago. So there was a lot of waiting. One, time, one, one way to read the Bible is to think there are years and centuries that elapse. God's people have to be a waiting people. We, that is faith where we put our trust, our confidence in Jesus and His Word. And when things get hard, things get difficult, things go from bad to worse, we still wait. We trust. We fix our gaze on the Lord by the power of His Spirit. Third point, the hope of Christ remains forever. The hope of Christ remains forever. Look at verse 6. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all is beauty, is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. So he's saying all, all things, they, they sprout, they rise up, they look vibrant, they look exciting, and then they pass away. Even humans. I mean, think about it's kind of a weird thought. But think about how many people you know in this county from 1890 that you could just rattle off there are not your relatives. Probably not a lot of people. A number of them are buried right over here. And we're, we're just like them. We're going we're gonna to live for a while and then we're going to be gone. We're either going to be with the Lord enjoying His presence or be punished forever by him, but we will not be here forever. That's the bad news. Here's the good news, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. God's word will stand forever. I love that, that Jason drew our attention to the faithfulness of God. Christmas is a celebration that God from Genesis 3.15, throughout the entire Old Testament, kept His promise to make a way for rebellious sinners to be made right with God, and one day we will be with Him forever. Our hope is fixed in this book and in the Word of God who became flesh, who is Jesus. You can trust in it. It's the only thing, the only one you can trust in. 
Now you can trust in other things, but they will pass away. I mean, if you have a history book or you look up on any kind of history website, greatest kingdoms in North America, South America, in Europe, in Asia, just pick an area, pick a continent, pick a a century. They all were big and powerful and dominant. And none of them are in existence. Only this is certain and fixed and trustworthy. And so, if you know the Lord, you are safe and secure. He promises to take care of His people. You can trust Him. We have the written Word of God. We have Christ, the incarnate Word. We have the fixed reality that King Jesus will one day return. No matter what you see with your eyes, no matter what happens around us, all those things are absolutely, 100%, completely true. So therefore, we must not hope in other things. We just finished the series in the book of John. I just want to read a portion from John's letter um, from chapter 2, just by way of reminder, and connect this to Christmas and to Jesus. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, it's our cravings, the desires of the eyes, what draws us away, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world, the world that's opposed to God. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We want to draw our attention to the thing that lasts. The Lord alone is the one who will last. He's where all our energy, all our hope, all our affections should be primarily centered. I have a yearly Bible reading program that I go through and, and I came across this passage this week in Second Peter. I thought how different we all would be, myself included, if I just thought about this reality that's in 2 Peter 3, a lot more. Verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's God's desire. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. You might not have been expecting that verse for Christmas. But the reality is that's a real day that one day will come. And the only way to be ready for that day is to hope in the one God sent who is Jesus. And because he sent Jesus, it is good news of great joy. This is the fourth point. The hope of Christ is good news of great joy. The world's broken because of sin. The world will be hard. But God sent a remedy in Jesus. And that is to be good present day news that should produce joy in us no matter what's happening 
in our lives. Look at verses 9 through 11. Go on up to a, to a high mountain, O Zion. Herald of good news. A herald, one who shouts out the good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news. Remember, they just found out there's going to be captivity of their people. There's going to be years of hardship. But God wants them to look past that. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Fix your gaze on the living God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him. His recompense before Him. He will tend His flock like a shepherd. A shepherd that will not lose any of His sheep. He will gather the lambs in His arm. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those who are with young. See, this captures both the, the first coming and the second coming. Jesus will return for His bride, for His people that He loves dearly. And we can hope in that. I mean, if you thought, how can I prepare for this Christmas season? You could just do what, what Isaiah said. Behold your God. Behold your God. Lord, help me to behold You. Help me to see You. Help me to think about You when I hear Christmas hymns. Help me to just as I even consider the hardships of, and brokenness and fallenness of this world, help me to remember that one day it will not be like this because You sent Your Son to earth. The last verses I want to read are in the Gospel. And it's the angel's announcement about the birth of Jesus. And I want us to really consider, these are familiar words probably to most of us. I want you to imagine what it would be like. And the words, it's interesting who the words were given to. They were to the shepherds. Shepherds are, are generally were lowly and despised. They were not thought well of, and in some senses they were kind of a, a motley crew, um, sort of a rougher crowd. And God sent His messengers to reveal this announcement to them. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news of great joy that's not just for the Jewish people, but is for all people. People of every tribe, tongue, and nation. For unto you it is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah Himself. This will be a sign for, for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there is with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. See, this announcement was all centered around the hope that we have in Jesus. Jesus came to earth. And some commentators believe that 
every angel was filled in the sky as they looked up. That this was allowed, this was the most important announcement that was ever announced. Hope is here. Hope has entered the world. The King of Kings has come. And because of that, we have hope. So our prayer for you this Christmas season is that you would fix your eyes on this King of Kings who came as a baby and one day will return as the risen, triumphant, ruling, and reigning King. Let's all stand and pray. And if I could have the band come up. Holy Spirit, just ask that You would help us to believe the truth of Your Word. To see with the eyes of faith the King who has come and one day will return. Lord, may we experience Your presence and the joy of knowing You. And Lord, help those who can't quite see You yet to see You. Open blind eyes and deaf ears. And we will give You all the glory. And we ask this all in Your precious name. Amen.